In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, therefore, go. Go and make disciples. It's not really optional, is it? Therefore, go. And I want to thank you all again so much just for being part of it. Again, you're going to hear a lot of stories as we continue to work through this process. Hopefully, what you heard, though, is as we were going through the process of go, man, it was like one of those times in life where you were just acutely aware of the movement of the Holy Spirit. So many things happening. There's like, we didn't script this. This is not, she did not set out and say, I'm going to go find Mercedes. That's what I'm going to do. And yet, because the Lord just happened to say, I'm going to move here, she got to have that experience. So I want you to wrestle with this question. Where do you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life on a daily basis? What does that look like for you? As you're going about your day, as you're working, as you're going through school, as you're living your life with your family, how aware of you of the presence of the Holy Spirit and how do you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life? What does that look like for you? Because here's what I think. Sometimes we're going through life. It's what this whole series is about. And you've got some options, right? And I wish it was always as easy as I can do option A or B. It ain't always that easy, is it? Like sometimes you're like, that'd be so good if it was like, you know, do I go to the left or do I go to the right? What do I do? It's not always that easy. Sometimes your decisions look like spaghetti town. There's like 18 different weebly wobbly ways that you could go and you have no idea what to do. You have no idea where to turn. You have no idea how you're supposed to figure out what number next looks like in your life. And that brings us to our big idea that Jesus sends the Spirit to help us on the way. Jesus sends the Spirit to help us on the way. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 this morning. This uh, John chapter 14 takes place during the night of the Last Supper. We just took communion a little bit ago. We talked through that time of the Last Supper. Jesus, during that Last Supper, had a conversation with the disciples where he taught them what was known as the farewell discourse. So back at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he had what was called the Sermon on the Mount. That's where he said, I want you to follow me to the 12 disciples, sat them down on the hillside and said, this is what it means to follow me. This is now three years later, three years later, coming to the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, he has what's known as the farewell discourse to say, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, this is what it means. Because here's what I think. I think if I ask every single one of y'all, And all you who are watching online right now, if I asked everyone, hey, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to get answers all over the place, ain't we? Like like everywhere. We're going to be all over the place. People are going to be saying, well, I think it means this. And I think it means that. And Jesus knows that's what we're like. And so that's what this farewell discourse is about. It is about saying, this is Jesus saying, let me put a foundation in place so you know exactly what it is to follow me. Today, we're going to be looking specifically at the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our faith journey. So we're going to be looking at three ways that the Holy Spirit influences the life of believer and navigating and pointing the way to Jesus. The first is that the spirit of truth dwells within us. We're going to start in verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15 is where we're starting. Probably if you have like the red letter edition of the Bible, all this is red, right? Every bit of it's red because this is all Jesus talking. He says this, says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And so Jesus says the spirit of truth will dwell within us. You have this section where it's all these if-then clauses, right? If this happens, then this happens. So, and so he says, for those who love Christ, he says, you're going to keep my commandments. Do you remember the commandment? They asked Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments? What did he say? To love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. Which means this. If we really love God, then when you hear about things happening in Florida and the hurricane blowing through, man, it's going to rip our guts out. It hurts. Why? Because we love people. How, how does it not? We, we love people. Therefore, we care what's going on. When you hear about stuff going on in Ecuador, yeah, that pains us. That stings. We want to do something about it. Why? Because we love the Lord. Therefore, we have to keep his commandments. His commandment is that we're going to love people. Therefore, we have to love those in Ecuador. But it's true also for those you go to school with here, for those you work with, for those in your family, right here, right here in our backyard, that we're going to care deeply for people here, that it matters. Why? Because we love the Lord. And if we love the Lord, we're going to keep his commandments. And then Jesus says this, he's trying to set them up that he's going to be leaving, right? This is the night that he would be arrested, that he's saying all of this, the night before he would be crucified. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to go, like, I'm not going to be with you. I've been here for three years with you, but I'm, I'm getting ready to go. And he says, but I'm going to leave another. Do you see that word another? That word another there is the Greek word alos. Alos. Now, alos is a really cool word because it doesn't just mean like a different one. Like, you know, I, I have a standard poodle, but I can get rid of my man-sized poodle and get a chihuahua. And it's just another one. It's just another. That's not what this word means. Alos means the same kind. Like you're literally receiving the same kind that you just had. And so Jesus is saying, there's going to be another that I'm going to ask the father. He's going to send another of the same kind to you to be with you until I return. Because Jesus will return one day. Amen. He is going to return one day. But until then, we have the Holy Spirit. And so that word helper, do you see the word helper that's used? In the Greek, that's the word paraclete. Paraclete, I'd circle that word in my Bible right there because it's such an important word. It means helper. It means mediator. It means encourager. It means comforter. And so Jesus says there's going to be one who's going to be with you and he is going to encourage you. He is going to, in those times where, where you don't have a peace, he's going to bring a peace that transcends understanding. In that place where sometimes, you know how like sometimes you don't even know how to pray? Have you ever felt that kind of sting in your gut? Like you don't even know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. Like there's no words. He prays on our behalf in those places, right? That's the Holy Spirit, that he's going to remind us of the teachings and the ways of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come and he's not just with us. Do you see that? He's not just with us. He is in us. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. Like I'm not going to do it. You're not going to be alone. You're not going to be by yourself. I'm going to send the helper to be with you and to be in you. And then he says something that's so different than he's ever said. Normally he says, I'm in the father and the father's in me, right? That's normally how Jesus talks. I'm in the father and the father's in me. But look what he says here. He says, I'm in the father and you're in me and I'm in you. Talk about grace. Talk about incredible grace. Here's what Jesus just said. 
Jesus says, yeah, I and the Father were one, but there's something that happens when we follow Jesus. When we become a follower of Jesus, when our lives are now wrapped up and identified in Christ, not wrapped up in I'm going to follow a set set of rules, like I'm going to follow those rules, and if I follow those rules, that means I'm a Christian, not that. I'm talking about, Lord, everything in my life is yours. Like I've been transformed because of the cross. I have exchanged my old life for a new life. When that happens, there's something incredible that we see happens. Jesus says, yeah, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. But he says, but then you are in me and I am in you. Paul calls this the hope of glory. That's what we see. And so my question for you is, what role is the Holy Spirit playing in your life? You know what I think happens? I think sometimes life is good. Right? Life is that mountaintop experience, Andes mountains type mountaintop experience. You're like, man, I'm killing it. I'm doing great. When you had that experience, do you recognize the work of the Lord in that moment? Or do you just say like, no, I'm pretty awesome. Like I'm that good. Like I'm just, because I, I worked hard. That's why good things happen because I worked hard. Helping hand I'm looking for is at the end of my arm. I, I used it, you know, and that's why good things are happening now. Is that you? Or do you recognize that it's the Holy Spirit working on your behalf? How about when things go bad? I had a conversation with a guy here just about 10 days ago, and here's what he said. He said, you know, Billy, when things are good, it's very easy for me to recognize that it's the work of the Lord. But you know what I do when things are bad? I roll up my sleeves and I say, it's time to go to work. Almost like the Lord's too busy to help me. So, Lord, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll just work a little bit harder. I'll try a little bit harder. I'll just do a little bit better. How do you do when things aren't going well? Do you lean on the Holy Spirit in those moments? Or probably for most in this room, you're probably not at one of the extremes right now. You're probably somewhere in the middle. How do you do whenever it's that daily rhythm of life? You're just kind of churning and just kind of advancing forward. Do you continually keep your eyes and your ears open to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life? Which brings us to the second point. The Spirit keeps us in the truth. Look at verse 21. Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, says to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so Jesus kind of goes back to this theme of us being empowered by the Spirit and there being an alignment, an alignment with saying we love him and then the obedience to him. Now, most first century Jews at this point, they were expecting the Messiah. The Messiah was the rescuer, the one who would come and rescue Israel. And the thought was this person's going to come in on a white horse bold chest, right? Kick the Romans out of Israel. They were waiting for this. And so Judas, not Iscariot, probably Thaddeus is who this was. He's the one who said, so Jesus, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us, but not to the world? Because we're expecting the Messiah to be one who can't be hidden. How is that? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and we will come to him and make our home with him. You're going to love this. If you go back to verse number two, Back in verse number two, you'll see the word place. And right here, you see the word home. It's the exact same word. 
And so Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a, a place for you, a home for you, a dwelling place for you for eternity. That's where I'm going. But as I'm going there to prepare that place, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to leave the Spirit with you. That's what's going to happen. You're not going to be alone in this journey. He's going to be there to help you. You see, you're going to be able to follow my commands, not because you're that good. You're not that good. You're going to follow the commands because the Holy Spirit's there. That's how you're going to be able to do it. Has anyone ever taught a kid to ride a bike? Raise your hands. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's traumatic, isn't it? <laughs> so you, you look at them and you start at the bottom and you're like, mm, nope, the flops aren't going to work. Go get rid of those flip-flops. Get on some shoes because you're getting ready to get all scuffed up. You know, get your shoes. You don't tell them you're going to get scuffed up, but you know they're going to get scuffed up. So they get their shoes on. Then you're like, nope, shorts aren't going to Get your jeans on. You know, you're going to need to do that. And then you're looking out glasses. You're going to poke your eye out. Get your glasses off. You know, get the helmet on, protect that head and here we go, hold on to the handlebars. And, they're like, and you're like, not that tight. And you're like, you're like, no tighter than that. And you're like somewhere in the middle. And so they're freaked out now, right? Because you got them all, all nervous. And then you grab the handlebar and you grab the seat and you start to walk. And you're like, okay, you just need to pedal. Just pedal. And they're pedaling, right? And then they start doing this. And you're like, hey, quit being so wiggly. Don't be so wiggly all the time. You just lock it down. They're like, okay, lock it down. You know, and they're like, they're doing it. And you do it. And then what do you do with this hand? You take this hand off, right? And this how you do it? And then so you're still holding the seat they don't know. And so they're pedaling. They're like, look, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm riding the bike all by myself. And you're holding everything up and you're running behind them trying to keep up. You're like, you sure are. You're doing great, you know. And that's how we are with the Holy Spirit. That's what we do, right? We start going through life and we're like, Lord, look, I got it. I got it. And the whole time he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you got it. All right. You know, but it's the Holy Spirit who's empowering us. It's the Holy Spirit who's given us the strength to do this. It's when you're going through the grief, it's the Holy Spirit that helps you persevere. When you're succeeding, where do you think everything that you have this good in this world came from? It came from Him. It's all from Him. It's what Paul says in Philippians. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Listen to what he says. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, church, it would have been enough. If God would have only sent Jesus to the cross, to die on the cross for the salvation of our sins, that would have been enough. Because without him, we were all doomed, every single one of us. So, so that would have been enough. And yet... Do you see the promises of Christ Jesus in Scripture? We get so much more. We get so much more. Not only do we get salvation and new life in Christ, but we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and is with us and working all things for his good. And brings us to our last point that the Spirit teaches us the truth. Look at verse 25. It says, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. Well, if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I'll no longer talk much with you, 
for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So the Spirit is going to teach us the truth. Remember that they looked at Jesus and they called him rabbi. They called him teacher. They called him Lord. He was with them for a three-year period. But do you see what Jesus just said? He said the Holy Spirit's not going to be bound to a three-year period. That when you become a follower of Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit for, for the duration of our life. Right? We receive the Holy Spirit who will continue to teach us and to show us the ways of Jesus. We see this play out in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus has been crucified. He has been resurrected. Over the next 40 days, he appears to no less than 500 eyewitnesses. He ascends up into heaven. And here's where Acts chapter 2 takes an incredible turn. Peter was scared to even admit that he knew Jesus on the night that Jesus was arrested. But then when we see Pentecost, what do we see? We see Peter preach with this incredible boldness, the words and the ways of Christ. He did that not in his own strength. He did that because of the power of the Holy Spirit who came like this mighty rushing wind. That's what we see happen in Acts 2. Let me tell you what that looks like today because, man, we see it all the time today and maybe you just don't recognize it. Three years ago, Kristen mentioned, we had another trip. During that trip, we worked at a church called Palugo. The community's called Palugo, so the church at Palugo. Now, the church and school this time is kind of like this hub church. They're a very strong church, a very big church, a very strong school. And there are five churches that they've started that belong to their network. Palugo is one of those churches. And when we went, man, it was struggling. Like, it was so struggling. We built that top floor. And I just want you to know, we got a chance to go there. And it was incredible. Not only have they continued the work, but everything is finished on the outside. They now have windows. They have doors. They have electricity. I got to encounter a guy who said, hey, I just want you to know, I got to get married in that church. That's where my wedding took place. Right now, this morning, they have around 30 people who gather every single week and call that church home. It's continuing to strengthen. They have 50 kids that they're ministering to every single week who come during the week to be ministered to. And one of the leaders there happens to also be um, a teacher at the school that we worked at. And so she sent me a Facebook message and basically said, Billy, thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing the team again. Uh, you guys were such a blessing. Just a very nice message. And I responded back and said, do you guys need anything? How can we help? What do you happen to need? And can I just tell you my expectation? I thought she would say, you know, here's something we need for the church. We, we don't have money to buy. It's a developing country. You know, there's not a lot of money there. So, or I thought she would say, I know this kid who needs sponsored to be able to afford. It's $97 a month to be able to go to the school. And, you know, I, I have this kid who needs sponsored. But I want to read to you what she said, because what she said was so challenging and so convicting. Here's, here's what she wrote. She said, the only thing that I could ask right now is pray. She said, pray a lot. For the power of the Holy Spirit to equip us to ministry for the people of this small community. They need to know Jesus. We need strength to continue to share the gospel. That's what our sister asked for. She wants prayer for the boldness that the Holy Spirit provides to minister to their community. Can I tell you how challenging that is to me? Because I get back and I have to ask the question, am I, am I living with that kind of boldness? Or I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do a work in me where I see this community the way the Lord sees it. 
Friday night was the first football game I've been to, high school football game in five years. Uh, Romeo is homecoming, and we're not going to talk about the refing. We're not going to do that this morning. But as I'm waiting in the concession stand line, can I just tell you that I looked up at the football stadium, and I saw just all the people, and you can ask Amy, like I just stood there, and it was like a punch in my gut, because it just helped me get just a, just a little picture of the fact that, man, we are, we're not done. We have a lot of work to do. And everything that she talked about, man, I felt that. Like, we have a lot of work to do. Do you feel that? Like, are you bold enough to pray that prayer? Lord, empower me to do that kind of work. We need the strength to be able to reach our neighbors. We need the strength to be able to reach uh, the, the people we go to school with, the people that we live around, the people that we work with. How are you doing? Because I'm going to tell you right now, people are willing. They're willing to come if you invite them. We have our 10-year celebration next week. People are willing to come if you invite them. They'll come for cupcakes or cookies, donuts and cider. I don't know what we're doing. We're doing some food. There's going to be food here. They'll come for that. They will. At the end of the month, we have our candy tour. People will come for that if you invite them. I know inviting is scary, isn't it? But you see, the thing is, if we believe that Jesus truly is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, that eternal freedom comes only through faith in Christ, then how do we not go to Ecuador? How do we not pray for those who are hurting? How do we not invite our neighbors? How do we not do anything we can to continue to see that mission of new disciples being made, of helping people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ?